I'm Jacob Eamon, here with David Patrick Fleming of Underdogs, here to talk about Underdogs. I hear it's the best podcast about the Blue Jays for people that don't care if we get the stats or the facts right and are just desperate to listen to anything but their own thoughts and remind them how fat or skull-bald they are. So follow on Apple or Spotify or whatever the fuck you listen to your podcasts on and leave us a review so we can tell ourselves it's worth it to do this. Here we go. Uh, this is Underdogs. You heard it already. I'm Jacob Eamon. He's David Patrick Fleming. Uh, it's Monday, August 9th, 12.45 p.m. Eastern Time at the time of recording. The Blue Jays. Oh, my God, the Blue Jays. We just we just finished our homes. David, are you honestly wearing your Ricky Henderson Oakland Athletics jersey right now you just tilted the we just talked for 10 minutes before we recorded where I gave you ample time to notice that (laughs) and then as soon as we hit fucking record I'm just supposed to notice that deep forest green without any letters like it I, I, I didn't see that you just tilted the computer down so I could see that bright yellow athletics font there Jacob are you aware that Ricky Henderson has a World Series ring from the Toronto Blue Jays this isn't me uh, supporting the A's who are ahead of us in the wild card race yeah, that's, that's all I'm thinking about <laughs> well it's not it's me um, using the power of my favorite childhood player to help the Blue Jays realize another World Series victory and I really should have tilted my camera so you could not see the front of my shirt Okay. Well, I yeah, I'm just gonna try and get back on on track here. All I'm thinking about is how excellent of a this this mammoth monster return to Toronto, this homestand where we saw the Blue Jays go what nine and two, nine yeah. and two at home. The the run that we've all been talking about that 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 the that the pundits. That the podcasters, that the radio people, the the broadcasters, we've been saying this team is primed for a run. When was it going to happen? It seemed like it was never going to happen. The deadline happens. We get we get Jose, and I want to say uh, I heard him introduce himself, and I think he might have said Jose with a little j, Jose Barrios. Okay, we can do that. So. I like that. It's. Uh, I heard you heard it here, and you can tell everyone. Uh, following up on last episode, it's not Barrios. So stop saying it. Get it right. And you know, if you really wanna wanna impress your friends or start a conversation, outdo Morosi. Say Jose. Jose, like it, like it's Portuguese, even though he is Puerto Rican. Uh, Hello, I am Jose Barrios. I pitch for the Toronto Blue Jays. <laughs> that's that's pretty good. That's pretty good. That's that's what you can do out there. So we got Barrios. We got Soria, who's who's dead. Uh, yeah, I think he, he died after his first outing. I think he just yeah. went straight to the morgue. He went through the tunnel into a coffin. Yeah, he's gone. Who knows if we'll ever see him again? Um, we got Bradley Hand. Uh, he's he's had a bit of an up and down start here. I don't know. I think things could turn around for him. Uh, did we get hand on the deadline day? Was that was that deadline we day? We got hand before? the day before the day okay. before deadline day. You got Simber and Richards like a week before, then hand the day before, and then the big the big dog on the day. 
Okay, but, but the biggest addition, obviously, is coming home to Toronto, right? Like, this has been... <clears throat> I mean, we've been waiting two years for this. We, I mean, we talked a lot about it last episode. We said, you know, we lied to you. We said we were going to get on the on the mics the day after the, the homecoming game and talk about our experience. That wasn't really possible for me, and, and you'll you'll figure that out uh, as we uh, Is it because you drank happened. too much, Jacob? Is it because you drank too much and you couldn't, uh, couldn't fire up the mics the next morning? Is it because you got in a fight? Even when I mm. called you out for maybe potentially getting in a fight at the Rogers Center, and I was sort of joking. Mm. I was sort of trying to be a little bit cute and playful, but nope, you got in a fight. And it almost to the exact way that I said you would get in a fight. And you got in a fight for, I'm going to lowball it, uh, six innings. I would say it was a six, <laughs> a six innings fight. No. So if anybody out there wants to know what you shouldn't drink at the Rogers Center, Palm Bay, <laughs> Palm Bay coolers, Rain, rainbow, whatever rainbow flavors of Palm Bay. <laughs> yeah. I think it was fruit punch. And uh, there's a nice little ironic twist to that name. Fruit punch. Listen, I, I didn't get into a fight. There was no fists thrown, but I there was, as I missed when I was getting us some of those delicious Palm Bays, apparently there was a fight that you witnessed uh, just just a few rows ahead of us. Isn't isn't that correct? I, it was hard to see because I, I just saw someone sort of run up the stairs sort of with like a bloody face. Oh, and wow. People were sort of like was weird, weird about it. Yeah, I mean, that's what you want. Especially, you know, we're all getting used to being around each other, all been fairly nervous about the virus and this new Delta variant. What you want is somebody uh, quickly running up the stairs with no mask with their own blood spraying all over uh, people. It was like a horror movie. And then uh, there's all these people like calling down the security Everyone was sort of excited and like scared, but it was really hard to know what happened. You didn't know who was in the wrong, but then parts of the crowd would start applauding who they think was the person in the right. But uh, I, I really don't know. Right. Take me through what it was like walking into the stadium, David. First of all, it was super quick. We there was like we got in immediately. Yes. Um, and it, and it, it was it was interesting for me how quickly it normalized. Like I, I didn't have, it didn't fully hit me as soon as I walked in that, you know, I hadn't been there in a while and that it was a, a special monumental event. And then when we got down to the, the field, uh, it was still a bit like, I know this field, I've seen this before, this is just business as usual. But when they did that player's tribute in the, in the middle of the field to start the game and the the players come out through the center field fence and Vladdy leading mm -hmm. the way. Oh, that, that that got me. And 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 it was an interesting moment to be around, you know, fifteen thousand people who were all to a degree experiencing the same the same thing. Just a bit of gratitude, a bit of joy, but also like a bit of a release of some kind of emotion. And you could see people kind of tearing up. And it, it was just a. It was it was one of the first true moments of community that I've had in a long time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you got in a fight and ruined probably the rest of the day. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get into a fight and ruin the rest of the day. Like, listen, should I explain, should I try and explain what happened here? What this situation was? Yeah. And I'm okay. just gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, 
you go and I'll jump in when needed. Okay. Well, you missed like the juicy, like you missed us getting separated, basically, or having people yeah. in our row switch seats in order to get a little bit closer to me. Well, you missed Santiago Espinal's barehanded game-winning catch. So I saw, like, I knew it was a catch. I miss? just didn't know it was barehanded and like a catch of the year candidate. Anyway, we, I, I, I pull up into the row. I'm fired up. I'm looking around. I'm a little bit disappointed. You know, I have that like feeling of uh, seeing a couple of family, you know, like some, uh, like a, a, a mom and a daughter behind us. I'm looking around, you know, tr- trying to survey the scene, look for, look for some allies, look for some people who are uh, as hyped, who are as, as appreciative, who are as uh, in, uh, intense fans as we are you know, who have been waiting for this. And, you know, when I see like, you know, like mom and daughter, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, cool. Like, and it just kind of reminds you of that experience of like going to the, to the dome, going to the, a game and, uh, you know, realizing that you're going to be perhaps the rowdiest, the, the kind of the, the, the guy that no one necessarily likes in your section because you're screaming so much that you can't speak the next day at all. And so, we discover in front of us and i I just want to say too i'll interrupt myself here i was a little i i was hyped by that entrance that they all did through the center field wall could have been a bit better you know i've i've seen highlights on sports center of college football teams you know why didn't we bust through something why was there no like fireballs going up as we like we could have we could have made it a bit better than just like a row of flags for them to run through and I don't know. I like the humble nature of it. I thought it was just it was honest, it was humble, you know, it it was Charlie Montoya. <laughs> mm, okay. Well, that's fair. So that happens and you know, we're kind of there's these 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 this crew of four dudes in front of us they got a couple of them got vladdy jerseys on and uh, they're looking back at us they're seeing like oh here's another here's another uh, group that that we can uh, hang out with and they're saying now ah, we're we're double vaxxed i hope everyone's here is vaccinated and we're like yeah man we're vaccinated vax 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 up you know and uh then I hear a little, there's a little bit of an introduction of uh, George Springer coming up to the plate, and there's a little chitter-chatter of, uh, of, uh, of a cheater in the midst of us, and a little bit of talking of, uh, of, of, of garbage cans being banged. And I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. I can I can understand that. You know, we haven't, we haven't seen him live yet. You know, you got to have maybe reckon with that, reckon with the fact that, that our... Uh, Superstar player, our $150 million man was involved with some some shady pasts, you know. And I know that you you, you may have felt the same way. I don't I didn't hear you shouting it or, or talking about it amongst uh, amongst fans and the first time we've seen them in two years, but the, okay, I I'll let it slide. I'll let it slide. But it started happening uh, a little too much, and there was a lot of talk about George Springer cheating, and I started getting involved. So I'm like, hey, man, uh, that's all fair and good, but like, he had his best season of his career after the, the cheating scandal, and he's been, uh, since returning, he's been pretty electric player for us, and uh, it seems like he doesn't necessarily need to cheat to be one of the top 
10 top 20 best players in the league. But that's fine. Keeps going. Keeps going. And now I, then they're like, oh, he's a Yankees fan. He's a Yankees fan. I'm like, whoa, okay. Uh, all right. He's got his Raptors hat on. Yankees fan. And so around inning six, seven, five, maybe, I start throwing out a little Yankee let's, let's not, suck let's, chant. Let's not, let's not go by innings. Let's go by Palm Bays. <clears throat> so let's say uh, five Palm Bays later. Well, we had also split a bottle of wine and we had a couple of uh, Ace Hill vodka sodas before the game too, before we even entered the stadium, right? Mm-hmm. I would. I think I described to you that I was feeling drunk before we got to the game. <laughs> you did. <laughs> so there was that. Uh, and, you know, like I said, I started getting into a little Yankees suck chant. And uh, this to me is a necessary part of any Blue Jays game you go to, regardless of the fact of whether or not the Blue Jays are playing the Yankees or not. We're playing the Kansas City Royals, and this is what I'm trying to explain to them eventually. Uh, the Kansas City Royals pose no threat to us. They're, 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 they're meaningless little flies that we must swat away along our run to the postseason glory. This season, anyways. And so we got to keep our eyes on the prize. Keep our eyes on the real threats, which uh, I would say are, are most definitely Yankees at this point, uh, amongst, amongst others. But, and, and there's a long history of this. This started with the, the Boston Red Sox. There's a, an, an amazing ESPN 30 for 30 podcast about the creation of the Yankees suck kind of world. The, the T-shirts, the chants that would start happening at Red Sox games. The, the, just more lore in the, in the Red Sox-Yankees rivalry. And I, you know, I want to adopt that a little bit. And, and uh, so I, I, I started getting the Yankees suck chants out. And, and these Blue Jays fans in front of us with the Yankees fan start getting at me like, like I'm trying to start shit with him and trying to tell me to cool down, to, to not be, get personal about this guy and, and uh, how, how the Yankees suck. And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm trying to explain my position, telling them that, uh, that it's not anything personal. It's nothing to do with him. It just, I, I don't know how else to say it, but other than that the Yankees suck, right? And so things, I, you know, things get a little hazy for me. Well, the, the, one of the things that he kept saying, which was such a stupid uh, point oh, of view, like yes. every time you said Yankees, title suck, he would say 27, 27 championships. Oh, is it 27, 20, 27 championships? Like there was no, uh, you know, like relative. There was no argument. nuance. There was no, there was nothing yeah. relative to what we're going like through this he, season. It was like he Googled the Yankees and read the first two lines of the Wikipedia page and then bought a hat. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was one of the things like, because you, you could make, you know, a bunch of different arguments about the, the Yankees and why they don't suck or like why they've struggled or not struggled. They had a great trade deadline and they're fucking on fire just like we are right now. But it yes. was just the fact that he kept saying 27 championships when it's like, Hey buddy, the uh, blue Jays have only been around since 1977. 1977 the yankees have been around since the beginning of time Mm -hmm. it just didn't make any fucking sense yeah but the problem was was that his his arguments were just sort of you know sotto voce you know like he he was just like kind of uh, speaking at a very normal tone and you were the guy who was 
uh, just letting it fly. And so everybody else's perspective who's not listening to this argument just hears this, uh, you know, dude with pink lips from drinking Palm Bay yelling <laughs> Yankees suck during a Royals and Blue Jays game. And you were getting a lot of like, uh, like relax buddies <laughs> from other people mm-hmm. uh, sitting around. And it's, it's tough to be the relax buddy guy. Yes. You know, it's tough. It's tough because people aren't getting your point of view because they uh, you're like a, um, a an unpredictable ticking time bomb that everyone <laughs> just wants to. And you got a couple sit downs, too, which I predicted on the uh, on the last podcast. You got I got a sit down from that from that family that I was talking yeah. about in the opening that 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 mother and daughter, I, I feel like inning two or three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I wanted to, I basically wanted to be standing the whole game. I feel like that was kind of the the energy. And you know, once like Springer, like Springer was having himself a game when Bo. Go ahead. I was just gonna say Springer's been having himself a Rogers Center. He's been having himself a Rogers Center. He's been incredible since they've been home. And he had, I think, Teoscar ripped a second deck Jack like early in that game. Springer had at least. I think he had two doubles that game. I think he went three uh, for Bich- four or something. Like it was. Bichette had a home run. Yeah, opposite field home run. And so yeah, I got told to 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 sit down pretty quickly. That I was right in the way of them being able to see home plate, and you know that that dampens you. You know that that causes you to drink maybe a little bit more. You know, yeah. in stewing. Your fault. It's not yeah. my fault. It's not my fault. And so by, by the end of inning eight or nine, people in my row, the people, we're, we're with a, a crew of eight, and uh, you know, my brother has been moved down to, to stand beside me. Uh, or first, a bunch of people left. I, I feel like it's all started when it was just me there, and there was like four seats empty next to me, and suddenly I was on my own uh, against these four guys, three of which I, were Blue Jays fans. This is what also made me so angry the whole time with their Vlad jerseys, and they're defending this Yankees fan and his right to be offended by by my defending the the Blue Jays. <sighs> Uh, I, I'm I I can't believe I've I've kind of forgot about this whole night and and I I don't want to keep going on this for too long but you know as uh, I don't know it is it is tough because you want that kind of culture in your own home stadium where you can uh, get you know your fans all on the same page and you know if you want to call out a division rival like the Yankees and you want to shame this guy who's wearing a Yankees I don't know if he's wearing a Yankees hat or jersey or something he's wearing something Yankees he had no he had the Blue Jays home t-shirt on he put the Blue Jays fucking t-shirt on he had a Raptors hat on oh oh yeah 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 that's ringing a bell now and so also like but, but people just couldn't hear him so nobody really knew I heard him what you were um like irate about so that was that was i think that was really the key problem if he had been like more obnoxious or loud or something i think you would have got some people on your side it was just that uh, nobody nobody knew what you were on about well some people did every once in a while i'd be like i just wanted i just i'm just trying to to say that the yankees suck is anyone else agree can anyone else and then there'd be like two dudes like 10 rows up and like yeah yankees suck and i'm like this is what i'm talking about everybody yeah just wanting everyone to a little quick reminder 
if you were in Yankee Stadium or if you were in Fenway Park and uh, the Red Sox or Yankees were playing the Royals and somebody in the stands wanted to say either Red Sox suck or Yankees suck, people would join in on that. That's that's a real rivalry. That's oh, real sure. culture. That's a real. And so it's good to it's just, you know, it's going to be a clunky thing to try to create that at the Rogers Center, you know, when there's only. 15,000 people around who are uh, scared of you. Yeah. <laughs> and my biggest thing was just, and I, my argument to him that I kept saying is that he was the outsider. This is my home stadium. It's been two years since I've been able to be here. And if you're a fan of another team who isn't playing and you want to shit talk us all night, you're going to get me upset and you're going to have to deal with me coming after your team in my stadium because this this is you don't get to call the shots right like i don't get to go into yankee stadium as a blue jays fan right and and start and start getting offended if the yankees fans are are wanting to to i don't know shit on the blue jays i just have to sit there and be like yeah i'm in yankee stadium uh i i accept i accept i'm not gonna i'm not gonna try and fight back or maybe i am but i'm probably gonna get rocked right the only other thing i'll say is that being a yankees fan it must like the Astros would be a tough thing to a tough thing to swallow based on that uh, whatever that was 2017 mm -hmm. ALCS or whatever and like and you would have some feelings about George Springer but what it felt like to me is that he wasn't really like uh, that much of a baseball fan like he just learned a couple things and was just sort of leaning into a common narrative yeah I might be wrong but that's just what it felt like um, but you know if he was a diehard Yankees fan. I could imagine him having some pretty complicated feelings about George Springer. I could imagine him being able to talk about anything other than 27 championships if he was a, if he was a diehard <laughs> Yankees fan and that he might have some sort of retort when I was telling him that, that he has a, like, a, like <laughs> an historically bad offense at that point and that the run differential was zero. Uh, and that the that they were only behind or tied at the time with the Baltimore Orioles for for the number of runs scored this season, you know, like just brutal. Well, they're picking it up now, and thank God Rizzo's got COVID nineteen. Yeah, yeah, um, you know, it's 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 kind of it's thank God we got that that win last night and that George Springer had his defining moment as a Blue Jay and that we get to a nine and two record instead of a an eight and three record because we still we made up no ground it it seems like on on uh, the division we're still what eight or seven games back but uh, we did make up some ground on the wild card um, but I can only like imagine if we just had like went. I don't know, one game over 500 in this win streak. Like, it would be oh, dire be right now. Oh, we'd be done. There, there would just be, like, we just kept pace with the Yankees, which is frustrating, but also, you know, fortunate that we did that because we could have got buried real quick. We could have been, like, scraping around below Seattle in the, in the Angels and Cleveland territory. But mm -hmm. I, I really do think, and this is, you know, fairly obvious, but if the Blue Jays make the playoffs that George Springer home run will be a real defining moment because splitting that series with Boston would have been so frustrating. Yes. Because you really yes. feel like you really feel right now like the Blue Jays are just a better team than the Red Sox in, mm -hmm. in, in all ways. And so if they had to split that series, it just would have been 
really, really unfortunate. Yeah, I mean, the way that this series went to the low scoring affair after the game one, like two runs being scored total in the in the or three runs total in the double header, whatever it was, like the pitching performances, the pitching of the Blue Jays is unreal. The starting pitching that is uh, since since the deadline, like adding Barrios, having Manoa back, you know, and having that four man plus whoever is coming in in the fifth of Manoa, Ray, Ryu, Ryu had his, had his, you know, monthly dud that happens uh, yesterday, but he's still been, you know, a really, really excellent pitcher overall um, in the second half of, of the season so far. Um, and, you know, we, we talked about it, but like, I like maybe it's, maybe it's, uh, Chicago White Sox, maybe I don't. I don't know who else has a better starting rotation than the Blue Jays now in the, in the AL. And suddenly, which like we talked at the beginning of the season about how we had nobody, and that everyone was just saying that this is going to be our biggest struggle is having such a you know a bad or like not deep starting rotation. And now it's you know it's maybe not our greatest strength our lineup is still so elite so ridiculously good at so many positions but the rotation is crazy good now at least on paper yeah it's it, it is really surprising because remember like when the season started and how frustrating it was that they didn't go out and get a starting pitcher we didn't maybe consider the signing of ray to be as significant as mm-hmm. it was, we were you know happy about Ryu, but nobody knew. Like we, I didn't, we didn't even know if Alec Manoa was going to get called up, let alone what he was going to be like when he got here. We didn't know like that Nate Pearson was not going to come up, and he, when he did, he was going to look bad and whatever. And then all of a sudden, all it takes is getting this other, not an ace, but he's a, like a good number two pitcher. He's got great stuff. He's super fun to watch. Yep, but I'm talking about Jose Barrios. Um, and he instantly just makes you feel so good about any playoff series that you could find yourself in yeah. because you've got three guys that you'd feel very confident in their ability to execute. I mean, Alec Manoa has never been in a, this is his first year in the big leagues. Like maybe he, uh, playoffs would rattle him. He doesn't seem like he would get rattled in a playoff situation. He seems like he's got like one of those guys that's just, he's such a gamer and he feel, you feel like he, he, maybe he doesn't have a slow heart rate, but whatever his heart rate is, it seems like it's consistent throughout the game, no matter what. I think that for me thinking about him right now, obviously I'm not going to say that he would start a wild card game for me, but in a, you know, when we get to the the DS or something or the CS, whatever world series, whenever that series happens, I'm super comfortable with him pitching in a game. And I feel like at this point in my, like, I feel like he might have the best start of his life in a, in a playoff game that that's the kind of guy who not only is not phased by it, but is actually like a new gear is initialized that he didn't even know was possible, but he dreamed about his whole life, getting the opportunity to kick it into that gear and to absolutely dominate and feel so pumped up. You know, it's like, it's the same thing as Strowman. Like, you know, game to game, you'd be like, I don't know, like Strowman could have a off game, whatever. Like, but you knew playoff Strowman, 
you know, maybe he doesn't have the best stuff, but he has that electricity, that that personality where it was like the playoffs is where he thrived, right? I think, yeah, I mean, that's I think that's a great comparison too, because I think that just people being people, when you get to the playoffs, it, it's really hard. I, I, players say it all the time, you know, we're just going to treat it like any other game. Well, probably not. You know, no. you're going to feel different. Your body's going to feel different. The stakes are going to feel higher. And that little advantage you can have for the special type of person that uh, can use that to their benefit and not let that actually uh, put them, like, keep them away from that is uh, sorry jacob's dog is crawling through this phrase our screen right now i'm just looking at him hey bruce um but if you can <laughs> if you can use it to your benefit it makes you a, a pretty rare person and it gives you such an advantage because a lot of other people are going to get just a bit tighter yeah yeah so well we ask this question almost every episode but i mean wild card jose whoa ray has fallen off I was wondering what if you were gonna say, <laughs> Jose, or yeah. or or if I. That's so tough, man. But you see exactly what we're talking about. Our like incredible point where I talked about uh, not being able to trust Ryu for a winner takes all game because mm -hmm. that margin is so thin. You see exactly how it happens yesterday. His stuff is not. He doesn't have enough stuff to make up for not having command, right? If he doesn't have pinpoint command, things are not going to go well. When he does have the command, but you, how can you, how can you bank on the fact that he's going to have it that day? I also think it's no small thing that Barrios has pitched in a wild card game before. <clears throat> I believe he's pitched in two. I think he's lost to the Yankees twice. I don't know if he's taken the L, but I think he's started in two wild card games in his life. So he has a sense of what that's going to feel like. And it's just that extra pitch that he has over Ray that I think just makes him a little bit more dynamic. And Ray is like, I'm not saying this is no, like Robbie Ray is bad now, but he's, he's walking a little bit more, just a little bit more. And I just wonder how he's going to keep, where his consistency is going to be at the end of this season. And I think when you look at Brios and you look at the fact that he pitches so many innings, he's so consistent, he doesn't get injured and he's just got that one extra pitch mm -hmm. and he's, he can get strikeouts and I, I just, I've like him and I've, I've fallen for him hard and quick. I feel like I don't know him well enough yet to tr not to trust him, but it's that, Robbie Ray, the difference is I feel like there would be a different kind of pressure put on Barrios as this deadline acquisition, as a guy who hasn't been around the team, to put everything on his shoulders. To, like already, you know, seeing him start that first game, it's like, oh my God, like we got you to help us make the playoffs, right? And so the thinking about the idea of like the kind of pressure that would be on him and like the kind of crushing nature of what I would feel going to him and what I feel like he would feel with them going to him. I I don't feel like even even if I thought he might have a 3% greater chance of succeeding, I feel like I would still go with Ray as the guy who's been who did it for us basically last last season, last playoffs and came in and was 
the guy that kept us in the game, that kept us alive um, in the playoff game last year, just to, he's been doing it for us all season. He's been so reliable. He's been one of the top 10 pitchers in the AL all season. The only concern that I have is like how many times these teams have seen him and that Barrios yeah. is a bit more mysterious than we've kind of kept them from him and is kind of like a secret weapon. But it's tough. It's tough to, to it, figure it, out the balance. <clears throat> but it really does depend because, you know, if they play that wild card game against Oakland, like the True. A's haven't seen a lot of uh, uh, Robbie Ray. True that. I'd be going with Ray every day against, against the Oakland A's. Mm, yeah, that's interesting. But, Especially if like the game would be in Oakland, likely, and it's a pretty big ballpark. You know, Ray lets up some bombs, but pretty big ballpark. So that, yeah. Either way, either way, I'd feel like we got a real shot to win. I wouldn't be uh, upset either way, but I think that I would be the most nervous if it was Ryu. Yeah, same, same. But but then think about the confidence that you have going into a real legitimate playoff series where the strength mm. of our rotation, where we're four guys deep, potentially five guys deep, you don't need that fifth guy in a playoff series. Um, but knowing that you can, that you can, you just have your pick of the litter. You want to start Ryu game one, that's fine. You know, as long as he, he's got an extra day or two of rest, you're feeling pretty good about, you know, game one of the series in a real series going Ryu, right? It's, it really comes down to the, the bats. And, and sometimes they can just get so cold out of nowhere and you don't even really know why. Like they, they faced some pretty garbage pitching uh, when they were playing the Indians and they didn't look too good sometimes. And then, you know, the doubleheader against the Red Sox, they're not really scoring any runs. And that's not me shitting on the offense. It's just saying that like in any kind of wild card game, if you start the game and those bats are just not there, like they just get cold sometimes. That's mm -hmm. it's 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 difficult. It's not really gonna matter too much who's pitching, or if like you know you go into a playoff series and their bats catch fire, it's over. I don't care who's pitching; it's fucking over. If the Blue Jays' offense is clicking, you're done. Mm -hmm. Nobody, Chicago, Houston, New York, Oakland. Boston, you're done. I don't know about Houston. Houston's got just as done. good or even a better offense. Than done. <laughs> yeah. Those that Croft, those Crawford box work both ways. That's done. true. That's true. Um, shit, man, it's it's so true. And I I have to say, like, I was in Manitoulin Island, uh, and part of the reason I I was going to say why we didn't uh, do that next day because I was so hungover. I had to drive a six and a half hour drive in pouring rain in uh, probably a top, you know, uh, within the last five years, like a top three hangover, uh, uh, where I I woke up and I had to go through the will I won't I puke for about two and a half hours before it finally happened and I puked my guts out before uh, getting in front of the wheel to drive for six hours up north. But the reason I say that is because for most of the Cleveland series, uh, and I, I'm willing to call them the Guardians now, the Cleveland uh, Guardians of the oh, future, yeah. um, I was listening by ear, by radio, and I wanted to say that because a massive shout out to fucking Ben Wagner 
um, how glorious it is to have a legitimate, real radio broadcast, uh, a broadcast that is made for an audio experience. I basically uh, got up to this this cottage with my girlfriend's family, and in the the first day I was there, or the second day, I kind of popped on the TV to sit down and watch watch the Blue Jays game, and I quickly realized that that was not going to be a possibility for me to keep up with um, without um, you know maybe being removed from the family you know having my uh, having Brittany's family recommend that she no longer date me or uh, anything more than that in the future due to me spending you know three to four hours every day uh, by myself watching baseball so I uh, bought a month of the MLB audio and with the power of airpods I can have a singular airpod just just uh conspicuous inconspicuously hanging in my ear with with a sound setting that they have where audio sound can pass through it uses the microphone within a headphone to pick up the sound that is outside where you can switch between having noise canceling and having noise adding so you can hear what you're hearing as well as the things that are going on around you so i basically had uh, the Blue Jays game going nonstop um, in my ear for this whole time, and no one was upset. No one's like, "What, what, what, what? Uh, what a killjoy he is! Just sitting inside all day watching baseball." No, I'm I'm at the dinner table. I'm at the fire. I'm down at the fire roasting wieners. Meanwhile, I've got and the Blue Jays. You know, it's it's glorious. So um, are you surprised that it's just Ben Wagner by himself? It's it's really incredible. I don't imagine. I don't think he did that when he broadcast for the Bisons. Maybe he did, but the fact that he has nobody to play off of and he's just filling the air all himself. I don't. Is that Sportsnet saving money or is that just? I, I was very surprised that they didn't have somebody else in that booth with mm-hmm. him. I I kind of envisioned it uh, being Barker and Barker kind of like his career changing over the next year and becoming like the next great kind of uh radio commenter like he's already like i feel like such a defining voice in blue jays radio and blue jays talk that uh, it seemed like a no-brainer to me uh for him to become the kind of color guy for a radio and maybe eventually tv and down the line when when buck can't remember his name um <laughs> but it didn't happen but it's he's i kind of like that he's by himself you know he plays off of his producer whoever's in the room you can kind of hear him like i feel like it helps that there's someone but not anyone actually there because he's so focused and it's so helpful like i can I, I i forgot how bad the <laughs> the simulcast was until i heard ben wagner again just painting pictures you know, explaining to me how someone's entering as, from the bullpen, like what what the vibe is, you know, not missing a single pitch to let me know what the count is or, you know, it's unbelievable. It sort of, it sort of came out of nowhere to me that they were going back to radio and I couldn't help but wonder if it was a couple irate emails from Buck to Sportsnet saying that he, this was like <laughs> uh, not what he signed up for to be a radio man and that he didn't like the pressure of having to try to explain things and he didn't want to do it and his legacy was being tarnished and and i wonder if there was some sort of tension there or even if you know maybe 
Dan, or maybe they were hearing feedback from the simulcast on the radio or whatever. And then Buck felt like he wasn't being viewed in the best light. And so they had to pivot on that. Well, I don't think they like listening to it on the radio and watching it on the TV. I don't think maybe after like the second game, they even attempted to do anything for the radio. Like I don't ever feel like there was any extra description of what was happening. And all the time I felt like I had no idea. Dan would, but if it was Buck and Tabby, good luck. Good luck even knowing the score. But Dan is also naturally, even just on TV, way more like descriptive and less just like spewing like random same stories or getting on tangents about catchers being on one knee and like how good some really average hitter is on the other team. <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Um, so... Yeah, shout out to Wagner and shout out to Apple AirPods Pro for their uh, ability for me to be on a family vacation and not miss a pitch. But that being said, it, it is hard to, while you're, you know, people are talking at you to. Oh, it's impossible. You can really only know like what's going get, on. <laughs> we should also just give a shout out to uh, our, your old boy. Rowdy Telez. Oh my God. Just just a quick little shout out for Rowdy Telez having some success with Milwaukee. You got a walk off the other day. He's been hitting bombs. He looks like he's becoming like a cult classic there already. The legend of Rowdy Telez is ripping through Wisconsin and good for him, man. I'm good happy that him. he's that he seems like he's finding his spot. He deserves that. He really does. It also like I, I didn't have this in the notes, but I did think about it when I was watching an interview with him. And seeing like forty thousand fans around him, and like what the energy actually is in like uh, the states yeah. for these these ball games, and I can't wait. Hopefully, hopefully we can eventually have a full Rogers Center. Who knows? Feels like the world. There's like just this hint of impending doom all over again. <laughs> yeah, I don't I know, know. If, if you feel that, uh, but I certainly oh, I do, do. For sure. Um, but uh, I also have this feeling like. And it comes to me probably four or five times a year when I'm watching other baseball games or watching um, the standings or highlights where I just feel like the National League kind of sucks. Um, <laughs> I don't know why, but I, I, I always have this feeling like that every team is just a little bit worse and it's way harder to be good in the American League than it is in the National League for some reason. And uh, I think that too, but then I think of how good the Dodgers are, and then I think about the fact that the Dodgers still lose games, and then I so then I get all fucked up by it. I'm like, okay, so are are these teams bad, and why are these teams good? Like you look at some of the teams in the National League, and you can't imagine why. Like I still can't, I still don't understand why the Giants are so fucking good. And then you look at their roster, and they got all these old guys, just like like i don't know hitting with whatever the hitters version of spider tack is mm-hmm. and uh and they're better than the dodgers and then you think about the dodgers team and you're like i i don't know what to say about any of this yeah but then you also look at our interleague record and you're like yeah i think i'm right they, 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 <laughs> this all adds up like <laughs> yeah. but uh, like who knows like maybe if we were in the national league west we'd be right there with those with those three teams or with the Dodgers and the Padres if it was us instead of the Giants you know what i mean like obviously it's impossible to say but i i don't know we also haven't had like we've had we've ha- we have the Orioles but we have some upcoming games where we get to play some shit teams again and it's going to be you know a decimated a completely ripped apart twins team 
Um, who who else are we going to get to? We got this doubleheader tomorrow against the Angels. And these doubleheaders, man, doubleheaders are so tough for playoff pushes because they're not ideal. It's never ideal to play two games back to back. Unless you win them both then, and suddenly you're like, sure, game game. if you win them both. But like you're going to have guys that are tired. You're going to like extend Resting. your pitching to some degree. I know these are only seven inning games, but nonetheless... And the Angels are one of those teams where, yes, you should beat them, but they can also beat you and we wouldn't be too surprised. It's just like, I hate these doubleheaders in a playoff push. I like watching doubleheaders because I like watching baseball all goddamn day long. But, uh, yeah. I feel so the opposite Ain way to some extent, but not about the Angels specifically because I feel like the doubleheaders suit the Blue Jays so well because of we can have a starter go for five or six innings and only need to cover an inning or two. And I feel like that's also like in the last couple doubleheaders, we're covering an inning almost unnecessarily because the team philosophy doesn't allow for complete games, even in sub seven innings where it feels like Robbie Ray or Jose Barrios could easily finish off a game, but we're going to bring in Romano because the score is zero, zero. And anyways, even, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, so yeah, I feel yeah, like yeah. it's good that we get a chance to, not expose our uh, relief pen, a uh, relief core more and more because, and I read this incredible article um, by Mike Petriello talking about how the shift of the bullpen and like the the run that the Blue Jays have been on since since the uh, the All Star break um, is largely in part because we have lowered so dramatically by like like a hundred um what is it called uh high leverage plate appearances high leverage innings by relief by our relievers so it's like we've had 14 high leverage uh at bats or innings or something since that time where we used to be like at like we were like leading with the number of high leverage things but it's because our pitching has been going so much deeper and our our offense is so amazing that we're having so little high leverage opportunities, um, which is just insane. Um, and yeah, why we've been so good. Stat. It's so cool. Uh, I, rec I recommend reading it. I'm doing a terrible job of explaining what this article is all about, but uh, really in-depth stats, which you know, we're not necessarily about. We're about butchering those stats in a, in a, in a bad story time to each other. Um, well, we got... <clears throat> the series against the Angels. Then we go to Seattle, which is another one of those little... But one thing about going to Seattle is you get to... Because that stadium's going to be opened up again. We're going to be able to see all those Blue Jays fans mm -hmm. flooding in there. And it's going to feel maybe like a little bit of a home series again, which is always fun. But are we going to have that? Like, are the people... Like, the, the border's not going to be open the same way for mm. for all of the Vancouverites and and the British Columbians, I think you can. I think you can drive across the border. I'm, I'm, I think it's different when you're flying, but I think driving across the border is a different thing. But uh -huh. I might be wrong. People out there might be like, "You fucking moron! You don't know shit about what's going on." And fair enough. Mm -hmm. uh, then we got a big series against the Yankees, but then we go and we play the fucking Nationals. Oh my and, god, the Nationals! Another team that is <laughs> going to be—they who plays for the Nationals anymore? And then we play the Tigers, which is like, wow! Like they're like 
but then it's White Sox, and this is tough, man. This is gonna be this is gonna be tough, but like it, it's just so hard to believe that good things can happen to you sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I do think that good things are happening to us, and just gotta believe. It's the same thing when you know Vladdy goes through a couple of games of a slump. And you're like, oh, here we go. He's gonna go back to what he was last year. The dream's over. He's not as. And then it's like, let's relax a little bit and know that good things are coming our way. Yeah, the MVP chants have kind of uh, tempered a little bit at the games. Yeah, and and it's it's tough that he has to do something to get those chants. You know, he should just get them. Mm-hmm. But it seems like he has to do something to get them. Like he dove and caught that uh, line drive yesterday, or whatever. You got the MVP chant. You know, he hits a home run, he gets an MVP chant. Give the man an MVP chant every time he comes up to the dish. But maybe maybe the MVP chants play a little bit into the slump. And you know, we can break down the psychology, knowing nothing about what's going on in his mind, like we usually do. Um, like maybe there's a, maybe there's a little bit of extra pressure on him, like being like, shit, I, I, they think I'm the MVP. I gotta, I gotta do something in this plate appearance. And it's a lot. I I think that that is true, but I think he's going to get used to it. And I think he's going to have to perform under that level of pressure. If he's going to be a perennial MVP. Yeah. That's what makes somebody an MVP being able to do that. Yes. I I agree. Learning learning how to do it. And so we'll not like, go ahead. No, I was gonna say, you know, he's it's 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 a bit of a slump, yes, but he still hits bombs sometimes. He still gets singles sometimes. Like this is what a three thirty season looks like. Sometimes it looks like a month of two eighty. Yeah, well, it's down to two nineteen or something, isn't it? No, the three nineteen. He's gonna go. He's gonna go back. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, he's gonna swing back once he. Yeah, you can feel it. You can feel it, and I I sort of thought, um, you know, with the the way the game was going yesterday, uh. That that dive, that save, that foul ball, diving catch uh, from first was going to swing things for him because it felt like the team was scuffling up into that. And he was like, it's fucking time to go. I want to win this game. I want to do this comeback. And I felt like he, something about that was going to wake him up. But it's going to be super cool. Like, uh, we see Otani versus Vladdy tomorrow. So we we've been talking about that matchup for a long time and I think you're so right about the Angels where like despite how they just seem like one of those teams that no matter how bad they are or how like middling average they are I feel like they could so easily just sweep us and just fucking crush our dreams and that Trout will just be like all right I'm coming back and he'll just go you know 10 for 14 with like six home runs in a series 10 for 14 you know what I, you know what i'm saying like an otani's yeah, just gonna i know be like, that's but that's how like like fragile this all is right now we're we've clawed back but we're still at a distance where you have to keep the pressure like you have to keep playing like 750 baseball at mm-hmm. least right mm-hmm. now in order to to make this a reality because it doesn't look like the Yankees are slowing down which is the most fucking frustrating aspect of the whole thing the fact they will. that they've just kept there they will they've had they've had like who what's his what's his name Jameson Tyon was like the American League pitcher of the month or something after being bad maybe maybe he's just good now Anthony Anthony Rizzo idiot known anti-vaxxers got COVID look at look at how that happens and suddenly pick up he's been for them though man he's been so good for them yeah well he can't be good you can't be good if he has COVID and he can't play right yeah that's got to be real frustrating for them so frustrating for them. Uh, he's, but he's, hey, he's waiting to see the data, see a little bit more data on the vaccines. So, 
power to him. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll get to see some data of what COVID does to your body. I don't know. Good for him. Hey, how about uh, how about uh, fucking Bravik Valera? Who's this guy? Uh, I don't think I've seen him play at all. Well, he's playing. I I've heard him play, and I've seen a couple of uh, his at bats. Every time I feel like I am seeing him, he's got like this clutch single. He's getting on base. Um, he looks like a James Bond villain. You know, he's got like one of the freakiest faces I've ever seen. I don't know if you if you feel that way. He makes me feel nervous and and scared. I, because I've been working so much, I'm either listening on the radio or just following on a ticker, mm-hmm. and uh, so I haven't really seen him. Take a look. And, take a uh, Google of his of his face right now. Should also give a little uh, little love to Corey Dickerson, who is like getting some hits now, and he's starting to contribute and i just wrote Corey dickerson into google because that's i can't do two things at once um it's nice to have that lefty back oh yeah i see what you're saying he's more like the bond villain like sidekick yeah this picture i'm looking at like he's certainly not in charge he's being told what to do and just sort of doing it he's a bit of like the heavy like like the picture i'm looking at like one of his eyes looks like it's not even in this world like he looks like he is lost in some thought of pain from his past uh yeah maybe i'm thinking of odd job you remember him like that guy with the hat in james bond no i don't know you're not a not a james bond guy that's fine um well, Bravic Valera has been great. Santiago Espinal. Um, I know we do we do a, a little chat about him every episode, but uh, every time there's like discussion about how great he is and how he's been holding down third, he's the best defensive third baseman, maybe the best infielder defensively we have on the team. And there's always just this like there's just always this like uh, little extra butt on the end where it's like but. We don't want to expose him. We don't like it's always this like he's doing this great job. He's hitting dudes hitting above 300 and has been the whole season. Like he's never stopped hitting. And I don't understand why we can't just like instead of like feeling like we need to shelter him and like never let him play too much because he might start to slump. Why don't we just like see if maybe he is actually just a good hitter consistently and can contribute all the time and play more. Because Santiago Espinal is batting 293 with a 746 OPS. So like that's amazing. That's so good <laughs> for your for yeah. your utility dude. Yeah. And and it's funny, everybody always says, you know, but like he's not gonna hit. He's not gonna hit. He's not gonna hit. Well, it's like, well, let him not hit first. That's what I'm saying. Because but I, I've said this about him before. Like I I, rem- <clears throat> I remember having this conversation with you like a while ago. And the man is a is a 286 career MLB hitter with a 716 OPS. Now that's uh, 210 at bats, but it's what else is he supposed to do? He only has 210 at bats. Yeah, that's that's like let's let him have some more at bats, especially like when you know Biggio's injured right now. But like, what's what's Biggio doing? What's he what's he done for us lately? Yeah, I, I just think this is one of those seasons for Biggio where he's going to go away and he's going to have to work on some stuff and it's going to be about the kind of work that he puts in and what, what is he going to be next year? I just think that we're not we're not getting the cabin we saw last year, this year at any point. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, and he's going to be coming back with a chip on his shoulder, hopefully, and being hopefully better than ever next season. And like, has that chip on his shoulder story. and some chip on his shoulder and tape on his neck. Yeah, tape on his neck. Um, what was my last thing I wanted to touch on here? Oh, so bullpen additions. There was a there was a there was a tweet this morning. Apparently, Julian Merriweather is on the way back. Things are starting to line up for him. He's going to be looking at perhaps rehab games as early as next week. I heard that he was on his way back, and then Montoyo said like a week ago or something that he wasn't close. And so I guess I just thought that there was some other setback. So to hear you say that is so great because I was excited that he was coming back, but then Montoyo made it seem like he was dead. And now if we could get him back, even if, you know, even if he helps us win three games, mm-hmm. give us that. Give us three games. Anything helps. That's exactly what I was thinking, too. It's like maybe he, maybe we have him for two weeks. You know, like we don't have to say he's going to save our season and that suddenly we're going to have, uh, you know, an amazing reliever and someone that we can really rely on for the rest of the season. But yeah, like like you said, three games. If he comes in and looks anything like pretty much he's almost always looked since joining this team and actually seeing him pitch, which, you know, I said the first time I saw him, he's a number two starter. (laughs) Um, We saw him pitch in relief. We saw him close games and look like completely unhittable, like, like like something I'd never seen. Like, I don't know. He's so, he's so electric. I mean, he's really robotic, but. Mixing him too with like, Simber, who's going to come in and like mm-hmm. throw 86 and then 99. <laughs> yeah. Or like, you know, with, with Nate Pearson too, like to have, like to have that, you know, say what you will about velocity. It's nice to have guys who have rockets in your bullpen. Absolutely. It, it, the data is there. The, the batting average of pitches above 97, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, is way lower. It's just harder to hit no matter where you throw it. Even if you're throwing it down the middle, it's going to be better than throwing 91 down the middle, right? Mm-hmm. In theory. So we get, we get Merriweather back. We get Pearson. I, I'm, I'm really interested to see what Pearson will be like. But even if we didn't get those guys back, there is just this level of hope. Having Simber, having Richards, it's a crushing blow to lose Meza. Um, hopefully he's only gone for those 10 days because all of a sudden, again, he was amazing despite the fact that I'll never believe it. I, I don't know why I'll never, I'll never trust that Meza's good. Uh, even when he's good for a month straight, I still, there's still this part of me that, that uh, doesn't trust him. Um, but we've got that, we've got that like crew that, that teams have where it's like, but my only concern is that I feel like right now we've got our A team and our B team. You know, we've got the guys for when we're winning and it goes like Simber, Richards, uh, it was Meza and then Romano or like some mixture of those kind of four guys. And then you've got like, who knows what hand is going to be. Maybe he's going to, maybe he's going to be great and he can be one of those guys. I think, I think the, the expectation is that hand has to be a part of your A team. Mm-hmm. And I then I know it's tough when you're left handed and you throw 92, but I mean, he's had more experience doing it than anybody else on that team. Yeah. 
And that's what we that's what they went out and got. They got guys who had experience. Maybe they're not the guy anymore, but they got a ton of experience for high leverage um and guys that can that in theory have a better chance of of being good than, you know, we thought Simber Simber would, even though Simber wasn't giving up home runs, but still like hasn't been a dominant closer like Soria has, like Hand has. And that, what that told me too is that they still are nervous the same way that you and I are nervous about Romano because Romano looks incredible one game like he did yesterday and then the game before that he gives up two bombs and you're like where's the can he can we sneak the sticky tack somewhere I know they look on the hat they look they look uh in the glove they look on the belt can we try I don't know the armpit or something like what, what you know what i mean there's this nerve-wracking feeling i feel like they 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 must feel that way too um i guess if you put the sticky tack on your pubic hair and then jammed your hand down your pants just like you were grabbing your balls and then you brought it up like the umps aren't going to check you there even if they know for a fact it's there they're just going to be like you know you win mm-hmm. you you figured out the place to put this now it might cause far more complications for you in your daily life. Probably never get that spider tack out of there. But uh, you know, what are you? What are you about? You about winning games, or are you about you know having a personal life? Yes. So then you got your B team. You got your Dolises now in the B team, which feels good. You had Barucky. Barucky's been sent down, which is like tough for the weed dealer and tough for you know. I I love that guy. Hopefully he can rebound and figure some things out because you know he's one of the like five guys that we've. Uh, all said, looks like uh, that uh, Cleveland reliever. What's his What's his name? That uh, oh, Andrew Miller. Andrew Miller. Uh, Andrew Miller Light. Andrew Miller Light. Who, who also like <laughs> Tim Mesa. Like you hear in Blue Jays talk. You know he reminds me of. He's just like Andrew. If he could be, if he could come out and do that, you know, he could be. It reminds me of Andrew Miller. You know. Um. <laughs> you know he's one of those guys but uh the worry is is that you are needing your a team every night when you're playing at uh above 600 winning percentage because you're having you're winning most of the games and you don't have those experiences where you have uh the the, the b team come in because you're down because you're not going back and forth playing 500 anymore where you win one game the next night the guys that you needed to win the game can rest because you got the B team in. It's like we need a lot of, of A game guys. So that's hopefully where Pearson comes in. Brucky comes back. Merriweather is is lights out and uh, we win the World Series. Yankees suck. Yankees suck. Yankees suck.